TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, so we just spent uh, a little bit of time on Cliff Kingsbury. Most of the show so far on Joe Witt Jr. and what the defense should look like what we're all looking for in this revamped commander's squad on both offense and defense. Joining us now on the PetQL guest hotline is someone who has covered the commanders and by any other name for a long, long time uh, and does it uh, just great. I mean, the man is a legend. He is a living legend, and he's got a cool new book out that he's about to tell you about. My guy, my friend, my pal, Rick. Snyder at Snide underscore remarks on Twitter and X. Read him on the team980.com uh, and as well, uh, 106.7 The Fan uh, uh, on their website, on that website, I should say. And read him. Please get the Command Post magazine available via subscription now. Hello, Rick Snyder. How are you? Oh, by the time you should do my eulogy, man. Everybody, <laughs> you know all about me, I guess. I but. mean, hopefully, I'm not presiding over your eulogy anytime soon. Yeah. But if you want me to, I'd be more than happy to. All right, well, we'll set that up at a later date. Okay. Uh, how are you, first of all? Uh, been a busy day. You know, a new book out. Lots yes. To do, so. All right, so, so uh, let's get into that before we get into the commanders. Uh, the new book is called "Presidential Pours," uh, as in P O U. R.S. And I love the subheading and the subtitle called Commanders. Yeah. There's a theme there in cocktails. Uh, what is the book beyond the obvious about? Well, I love president, you know, because I do tour guides sure. a lot. I talk about presidents a lot. I'm related to five of them uh, and I'm related to a presidential assassin. So I'm all around these guys. And I, I always found presidents fascinating because there's so many of them that were really nobody. And I wonder how in the world did this guy get to be president? You know, like a Franklin Pierce or something. A lot of the guys in the 1800s, there was a lot of weird ones, but I, I wanted to write a new book, something different about lo- town, local stuff. So I decided, what do they all drink? You know, now actually a few of them didn't like currently Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump didn't, but most of them were kind of reflective of their times. Colonial presidents at era. Well, you couldn't drink to water so much. So, uh, they drank three times more than the average Americans do now. And George Washington, man, he was a rager. <laughs> this guy could drink like nobody. Uh, you know, Jefferson. Jefferson went broke over buying wine. Mm. John Adams would start his day at 5 a.m. with a shot, you know. Uh, you know these kind of, They were really interesting guys. That's a hell of a way to wake up, by the way. Well, he would do it. He, he, you know, it's funny. He started drinking at 16, and John Adams started smoking at 8, and the guy lives at 90-something. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
so much for that. Maybe that's maybe that's the key instead of uh, dieting and losing weight. Yeah, I mean, I have all these stories. Not only every president and their favorite drink and a few recipes, stuff like that. And then there's great stories about things like, you know, James Buchanan would buy a 10-gallon jug of whiskey every mm. week, mm. you know, to drink. I mean, some of these guys, some of the guys said, I'm only going to drink this many glasses. And they would arrange to have bigger glasses uh. made for and them. And where, like, like, does the book cover like not only how much and what, but where they would drink? Like, meaning how many presidents would sit there getting wasted in the Oval Office? Well, a number of that for sure. Uh, I do have a, about uh, five chapters. I think it is on places around town, the, mostly the big hotels, the Mayflower. You know, the Mayflower's bar is named the Edgar for J. Edgar Hoover. Mm. Uh, not a president, but still, you know, the Hay Adams Hotel, they make something called the Trumpy, even though he doesn't drink. It's made from whiskey. You know, Old Evett had a lot. The Willard Hotel had 23 presidents drinking there at various times. You know, the St. Regis. So, you know, there's a lot of places around Washington where they, they were around regularly. Well, you, uh, but, but can you now, like, I, I mean, this sounds like a ridiculous question. You said Biden and Trump don't drink. Okay. Um, I, I mean, if whoever that, well, whoever the next president is going to be is going to be Biden or Trump, I presume. Um, the next president outside of those two say they enjoy a good cocktail. Could you go to Old Ebbett Grill, which is not too far away from the White House, and have a cocktail if you're the president of the United States? Yeah, they're kind of tougher now. But, you know, they do private parties a lot. I mean, That's Obama, true. Obama was a big martini drinker, but he would drink around town. But it was always behind the, you know, the glass kind of gotcha. thing uh, there. But, yeah, they're just around. And I have first ladies, a couple pages on first ladies, too, that and places, you know, things that they really like to drink. I mean, you know, Hillary could definitely toss bass and drinks, too, with people. Mm. It's called Presidential Pours. It's by Rick Snyder, and it's uh, the subheading is Commanders in Cocktails, which I love, uh, and uh, a picture of uh, a bunch of really, really, really good cocktails for sure. It's by Rick Snyder. Available now or, or soon? Yeah. No, it's available now. You can go to my website, monumentalthoughts.com, or it's on Amazon, too, if you don't trust me. But I'll sign it if you buy it from me. All right. Because I make more, I make more money that way. So, right, uh, right. My, my, so you, so you want people to buy it from you. MonumentalThoughts.com is how you can get presidential pours by our pal Rick Snyder. So go out and uh, sounds like a fun read and a different kind of history lesson. Uh, all right. So you and I were both at Command Land yesterday in Ashburn. Uh, I just started pulling apart. I mean, we did a bunch of this yesterday, but uh, different Uh you know, parts of the press conferences. And again, listen, you can't win any games by winning a press conference. But I would say both were impressive. Joe went more than uh, Cliff Kingsbury, but that's just maybe their personality. From a Cliff Kingsbury perspective, were you impressed? Are you concerned? Are you about the same as whatever you were before yesterday? Well, I'm about the same because I always liked this guy. I think talking to him yesterday... You know, there's lots of guys who can break down X's and O's. But if I can say this about myself, my superpower is sizing up people really quickly because I've done this for so long. And I see a really smart guy there. Won't necessarily tell you the stuff, but look behind the eyes. This guy is going to be a, you know, a much smarter coordinator than they've had. The one thing you have to watch out for, don't get in your own way. I thought that really hurt Scott Turner a lot. He kept second-guessing himself. 
It's like, you know, figure out your plan, go forward with it. Can you counter them at halftime? I think Kingsbury as an OC, I think, could be an excellent one. Um, Rick's got his latest at the team980.com, and it's about the coordinators. Um, I, so is, is there any concern on, on, on your end that they hired Kingsbury to pursue a trade to number one and Caleb Williams, or do you believe them and I think most people that are being reasonable and saying, no, 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 he was hired because you know he runs a form of the air raid system, because he's had success uh, as an offensive mind, because he's learned lessons along the way, much like Dan Quinn and other coaches that get a second crack at the apple. Yeah, I mean, he's worked with a lot of different and good quarterbacks, too. He's worked with Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's got a resume of quarterbacks besides Caleb. I, I am out on the Caleb Williams business. I do not want to see them take him. I think he's going to be a big bust and may not last three years. I see Demarcus Russell, you know, so that's where I'm at on that. I mean, I'd go Jaden Daniels before that. I, I don't think that they hired him to get to Caleb uh, because, you know, Caleb doesn't really have a choice where he goes in the draft. Um, but he definitely gives you the greatest intel you'll ever right. have because college coaches will lie themselves to death over their guys to sell them to the NFL. This happened with Heath Shuler. Washington listened to the Tennessee coaches. Tennessee coaches lied because they wanted to have a quarterback they could say went top five. And he came here and it was just, they were like, Tennessee told us all this. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, this this is a good point, though, because, like, maybe, I mean, I know what Cliff has said on the record about Caleb being great, you know, great kid, this, that, and the other thing. And maybe Cliff is just talking about like his day to day dealings with him on the practice field, right? But but what he what he may or may not know is the involvement by the dad, the 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 you know not the posse, but all the different things that are circulating around, whether they're true or not, about Caleb Williams in terms of the fingernails and the you know insults to other teams, and you know wanting a, a part equity ownership and wanting this and wanting to not go to Chicago and here and maybe by hiring. Cliff Kingsbury, they can, even though what Cliff has said on the record is very complimentary, maybe he looks at them and says, guys, honestly, like he's good, but he's like, to your point, he's, he's good, but he's not, he's not what everybody thinks he is. You know, maybe he's not Jamarcus Russell, but maybe he's not, maybe he's too Robert Griffin from a personality standpoint, uh, uh, quite honestly, a narcissist, as opposed to somebody that you want to build and rebuild this program around. I mean, some of the red flags I've seen remind me of what Chase Young happened yeah. to him. Yeah. He got chased. He was chasing the money, not the football. And I think he just, you know, he, he lost sight of what was important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Caleb Wilson, uh, Williams to say, you know, I want, I want a percentage of the team too. Well, first off, that's a salary cap violation. You can't do that. Secondly, they're not going to give it to him. But you can't give a guy 1% of a team that's worth, you know, X amount of million because that goes against the cap. Mm-hmm. So forget that nonsense, and you should know that coming in the door, not talk right. about it. All these kind of things are red flags. If I'm drafting somebody in the top three, I have to think absolutely 100% in my mind, this is the guy. And if I have any doubt, not taking him. Rick Snyder is with us. Read his latest, the team980.com. Uh, he's also got something up on Ted Leonsis and Monumental, which we'll get to 
uh, in a second. And, of course, again, his new book. It's out now. MonumentalThoughts.com is where you can order it or on Amazon. But if you go MonumentalThoughts.com, Rick's going to personally autograph it for you. It's called Presidential Pours, Commanders in Cocktails. All right, so in your column, again, you wrote about uh, you know, w- one of the themes of yesterday where Joe Witt Jr. said, hey, you know what? We've assembled a coaching staff by design from different areas, by different trees to come together. Some people that I've talked to around the NFL, coaches, executives are concerned about that. I have reasonable concerns about it. I think everybody should have reasonable concerns about it. I don't think the fan base does because they're just so happy that they don't have to think about the Carolina Commanders anymore or the Carolina Commanders or whatever the hell people call them. Do you do you like this, or are you a little bit concerned? And is it is any concern reasonable that they have too many people to get together on the same page as one unified voice? I will say there's 25 people on this coaching yeah. staff yeah. or support. 25. I remember when it was like eight, yeah, something like that. Everybody's yeah. now a passing game coordinator sure. or something. Um, but I don't mind that they're from different trees. I mean, if I go back to my book for a second. Abe Lincoln's cabinet was what he called a team of rivals because they were guys he had to beat for president on his cabinet. Nobody does that, you know, but he said the divergence of opinions is what's going to make things great. And I think that can help this team too. It may take a little time to get on the same page, but that's what the next six months are for anyway. So I, I don't, you know, better than everybody being a yes man, Ron, how'd that work out? That's fair. Uh, more than fair. Uh, the one thing that I, I continue to point out, just for everybody that was sick and nauseous about that, and I understand that there was a lot of Carolina uh, connections. You know, the one thing I point out is Ron made four, four um, coordinator hires and during his tenure here. Scott um, uh, Scott Turner, Jack Del Rio, Nate Katzer when they came in, and then Eric Bieniemy. And three out of the four had no past connection to Carolina or no past connection to Ron Rivera. It was mostly his assistants and a couple of bad offensive linemen that got Ron in trouble. And the other thing is uh, the new coach doesn't have a son on the staff. Oh, that's uh, is, that's fair too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Quite a few of that. You know, that's a pretty much around the NFL anymore. Yeah. I've never seen so many sons show up. Yeah, I mean, look uh, at Antonio Pierce in Vegas. He just hired his son. You know, I mean. Uh, nepotism, nepotism and familiarity is not always a bad thing. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, like, I, I fight back with the, the notion that, you know, I, I only think it was a problem because, well, the coaching staff in general didn't get the most out of players, and they had a lot of problems after Kyle Smith was let go. I'm sorry. That was the crux of where things went wrong for Ron Rivera and whatever his regime was, is that they let Kyle Smith go, and Kyle Smith pushed back on Ron, and Kyle Smith was a great uh, uh, evaluator, and the other guys were just, meh, okay. Yeah, but interesting that Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney are both yeah. still on the staff. Yeah. And I think that's okay because Peters knew Mayhew well. Yep. And, you know, it's a different role. You're not the same thing. And, and Herney, I think Herney's just going to really be a scout, you know, and, and chip in things. But That's uh, all Marty Herney yeah. wants to be, though. You know, Marty Herney wants to be on the road and wants to be at games, college football games, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want to deal with any of the politics, the cap, contracts, roster management, all that stuff. And and one other thing that I I don't know if you heard the same thing. I heard that, you know, behind the scenes, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney themselves were a little frustrated, if not more than a little frustrated, that Ron wasn't kind of really taking – 
everything that they said and and utilizing it. Yeah, those drafts sometimes really, you know, it was Ron reaching for something, mm-hmm. and it didn't didn't go well right. <laughs> any of the times. I mean, you know, Chase. Okay, everybody wanted to go there. You could have gone quarterback, but okay. But um, you know, the Forbes and uh, Jamin Davis ones were Ron, and he reached. You know, and they got smacked down on that. Right. Now, those two guys. We'll see what the next coach here defensively can do with them, if anything, maybe something. You know, and they wanted Dotson, and I was a little surprised about that one. Uh, on there, Ron, Ron, the GM drafter was was not very good. Uh, I think you just said a key word there: reached, right? Because not only could you argue strongly Forbes, Jamin Davis, reach, reach, uh, but you you could also say. You know, Fedarian Mathis was a reach in the middle second round when most people thought in the third round. Jahan Dotson, they took at 16, yes, after a trade down with New Orleans, but a lot of people thought, eh, bottom of the first round, maybe early to mid-second round, reach. I mean, so you could make an argument um, that, you know, four very prominent picks, and maybe even Brian Robinson, although I didn't think he was a reach in the third round, but a lot of people thought he was a reach in the third round. I, again, I think he's delivered. Um, a, a lot of reaches here is why this roster maybe didn't come together. Yeah, I think Robinson and Dotson can still be pretty good players. We'll see what the new system brings. Yeah, Can they work with them? I, I think you know Robinson was abandoned a lot, and, and Dotson just got lost in a field of people. So uh, they, they could still be okay. Uh, on this, it's it's going to be interesting to watch a new staff and see what they can do with it. At Snyder underscore remarks, make sure you watch uh, on YouTube. Rick Snyder's Washington always, uh, he's, as he says, give me two minutes. Uh, and, uh, you know, so make sure you go check out and support him. Of course, MonumentalThoughts.com, his site where you can get his new book, Presidential Pours. Um, what should they do with the number two overall pick? Would you be in favor of them trading down, or do you think it's quarterback or bust? I, if it were me, I would trade down. You know, maybe you get fields for a lower, lesser pick, you know, before you walk into this. That would help. But I don't see any of the top three quarterbacks being generational quarterbacks. Now, the NFL doesn't consider lying a sin, so you're going to hear everybody talk them up. And if I was Washington, I'd talk them up too so that you can get a better price. You know, and tell somebody, I don't really want to give them up, but, you know, if you're going to give me that extra or whatever. That, that, and I would try and – you know, go down, not too far down the draft, but still there's enough players to help you. This team needs help everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you go six or eight or ten, there's a, there's a guy you can use. So I would try and trade down, gain more, because I don't have the confidence in any of these quarterbacks to be the one. And just because people say, well, you got to take a risk. No, you don't. If, if you don't feel it in your soul, this will get you fired. I like these quarterbacks. I'm with you, though. I don't love them and think any one of them is even close to being, like, a great prospect. I I think they're good to very good prospects. I don't see them being great prospects. And maybe we're both wrong on that. Uh, One last thing. Would you then, and obviously this would be kind of a a, a tip in in the direction, would you consider bringing Kirk Cousins back so that you could use that number two overall pick either straight up on a Marvin Harrison Jr. or again by a trade down on one of the left tackles or whoever you want would you consider bringing Kirk Cousins back to solve the quarterback issue at least for I don't know two three years if I were a coach I guess I'd consider it but if I was the owner I'd say no 
because fans are out on Kirk. And you got to sell tickets. You know, that's a real thing when you just spend $6 billion. You need that cash flow, you know, besides visiting fans. They don't have a great visiting schedule this year. Uh, I think financially that would be a bad move for this team. Hmm. I, 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 I see your point. I guess I would just wonder if they could keep Kirk Cousins healthy, which he was up until the blown Achilles, which I guess can happen. Shoot, it could happen to anybody and, and did happen and does happen to anybody. You know, whether the fans like him or not, Kirk Cousins is going to throw for 4,500 yards and, and 30 touchdowns. And you're going to win some games because Kirk Cousins and then Terry McLaurin and then hopefully some more weapons and Brian Robinson and a better defense. But your lights will light up. With people talking about this, yes, this is what I want, Rick. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's going to be a ninety ten anti Kirk. I know. I know. And that's not fair. It's not fair. Just like Joe Theismann doesn't get nearly the respect he should get as a past quarterback with this team. Won eighty five games, won a Super Bowl, yeah. lost a Super Bowl, but you never hear anybody talk about Joe. And he was actually a very good quarterback too. Fans are what they are. I think Harris would be kind of worried. Of, you know, Harris doesn't call the plays, I guess here, but I would. I would not do it if I were him. Rick Snyder's latest book, Presidential Pours. It is available now. Uh, please go out and get it again, monumentalthoughts.com and available elsewhere. Presidential Pours, Commanders and Cocktails by my pal Rick Snyder. Also read his latest fully up at the team980.com on yesterday's press conferences and the direction of the Washington Commanders. And follow him on Twitter at Snyde underscore remarks. Mr. Snyder, I will be uh, taking care of business this weekend for Command Post Magazine. I appreciate you as always. Have a great weekend. And it's President's Day weekend, right? So everybody should get presidential okay. pours. Yeah, not a co- not you know, it was a coincidence. No, no, I brought out the book for the president's weekend. At a boy, just to start off. But St. Patrick's Day is coming too, and we can talk about drinking. There. A lot of drinking about a lot of drinking on St. Patrick. Back in a back in a uh, a younger life, I guess. Oh, St. Patrick's Day used to be a show for your boy. <laughs> I can imagine, but hey, the other writers all want to go on a walking tour. This. Of the president's drinking, so Let's you can come it. with us. Let's do it. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you. All right, All right. All right guys. See that you. is uh, Rick Snyder again. Get his uh, latest. We'll take a time out. Come back, reset, uh, and finish up the show with more on Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, and if you want to squeeze in, 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After the end of a good fight, deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's better over after investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. 
See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Uh, one other thing that I liked, uh, I, I mean, I liked a couple of things from Cliff Kingsbury, but clearly he is not the over-emphatic, enthusiastic, kind of, I don't want to say trash-talking, but but authoritative voice that Joe Witt Jr. is. But one other thing that I liked was when he was asked, um, you know, about what he learned from being a head coach and what he can apply now. He said every year he learned something different. Consistency and approach. I think that's the main thing in this league. You're going to have your ups and downs. It's a lot of parity. It's tough games week in, week out. You've got to be consistent in your standards and your approach. He also said how he goes back and studies college offenses, other NFL offenses, hey, how can we do this? How can we incorporate that? How can we make all this mesh? The best coaches, I think we all know this, the best coaches adapt. The best coaches are chameleon-like. That's why I loved what Joe Witt Jr. said, hey, don't just think... By studying Dallas tape, that's exactly how we're going to play here. Just like when we went to Dallas, people tried to study Atlanta tape, and then they got surprised. Chameleon-like. Kind of keeping people guessing. Keeping people on their toes. It's why coaches are so intentionally vague about their coverage schemes, about their front schemes, about... You know, and it's it's less so on offense, but like Cliff Kingsbury, you know, again, was asked about the air raid, right? And he says, whoa, wait a second. You know, he's like, you know, yeah, I mean, sure. We, we do a lot of those principles and similarities, but the air raid is Mike Leach, the late Mike Leach. You know, he's like, I'm every, a little bit of everything. I mean, in a nutshell, this is what he said. I'm a little bit of everything. I take principles, concepts, what have you. Like, you're going to see Cliff Kingsbury take some stuff that I don't think Eric Bieniemy, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, took enough of from Kansas City. Shovel paw, uh, you know, that that little, uh, what, what do they call that, little motion with the wide, you know, that that uh, was on Mikkel Hardman's game-winning touchdown, that was on Kadarius Toney's touchdown in the Super Bowl, actually two touchdowns in last year's Super Bowl. Uh, I forgot what they call it. Um there's a a word for it with a C, and I'm trying to remember what the hell like uh, NFL people call it. Uh, but but either way, it's like a zigzag type motion. Like you're gonna see elements of a lot of different offenses. Of course, it depends on what your personnel is, and who you have, and how they adjust. But there was that was I guess the most disappointing thing about Eric Bieniemy, and maybe. I was so down and out after the 2-0 start and after they just got waxed by Chicago on that Thursday night and how everything else was a struggle, even though there were some bright moments and some bright spots. I was just disappointed 
that I didn't see not only more running and trying to find ways to make it better or different for the offensive line, uh, for Sam Howell, so on and so forth, I was just disappointed that I didn't see more creativity. You know? Like Kyle Shanahan's getting whacked upside the head for a lot of things. Who thought he was going to run the play that he did that ultimately wound up in Christian McCaffrey's hands for the touchdown early on in that game? Or I guess it was early second quarter. I mean, who thought that play was going to be whipped out during the Super Bowl, right? I don't think San Francisco's run that this year. I don't remember them. Like the creativity that opposing, or not opposing, that other offenses, both college and pro, are doing is what you want Cliff to tap into and what I think and what I hope they will be able to tap into. All right, time for a trending alert, and then your final phone calls on the other side. Don't you dare go anywhere right here on a feel-good Friday, President's Day weekend, right here on the Team 980. All right, so the fallout from the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade and rally, of course, one victim is dead, and Taylor Swift has donated... According to multiple reports to a GoFundMe account, $100,000 in two separate donations uh, to the victim's family. Certainly a nice gesture there. As well, two juveniles have now officially been charged in the shooting uh, at the Chiefs Parade. One, uh, One person who was detained initially was let go and not charged by Kansas City Police. Jimmy Garoppolo going to be suspended for two games. He, of course, was injured a lot last year with the Oakland, uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this suspension, not the typical four-game suspension for PEDs, because apparently it had something to do with a prescription drug and not having the correct paperwork and clearance, according to Adam Schefter. And from the NBA. Uh, the Clippers, Ty Lue, their head coach, he was fined $35,000 by the league. Why? Because he claims the officials were quote-unquote cheating after his team won on Wednesday night over the Golden State Warriors. Go figure. And that's what's trending. So while most people think this is a dead sports weekend, there's nothing to watch, no football, blah, blah, blah. Two things. The Daytona 500 on Sunday at 2.30. I don't know when exactly they'll drop the green flag. It's usually around 3.30, but I could be off a little bit. I don't know if 2.30 is the pre-race coverage on Fox. I love the Daytona 500. I grew up not knowing, not caring, not understanding anything cool about NASCAR and stock car racing. And, you know, what are these guys doing? A bunch of, you know, smoking, you know, Winston smoking, you know, hillbillies just running around a racetrack. How boring. Then I was told, hey, uh, in order to keep your job back in the, uh, let me see, uh, 2005 range, I was doing national radio at then Sporting News Radio, uh, which was at that point one of three all 24-hour-a-day national networks. I said, you know, 
like the company said, well, we got to make more money. We're, you know, NASCAR was in a huge boom. You got to do a NASCAR radio show. Huh? Me? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I had to study it and learn it. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know all the nuances. I still don't know all the nuances. I don't watch it as much as I used to because life just doesn't allow me to all the time. But if I'm home on a Sunday afternoon, if I'm home on a Saturday night, you damn straight, I'm popping it on. And I will tell you this. While a lot of guys in my, in this side of the industry, in the sports media world, they say, oh, man, love to go to the Masters at Augusta. I mean, I'm sure that would be cool. I'm sure I would like it more than I think I would like it. Just because of history and tradition and so on and so forth. But... Like, if you told me Daytona 500 or the Masters, it would not even be a question. I'd a thousand times over choose the Daytona 500. And I've not been to either. You'd give up on your pimento cheese sandwich? Yeah. I mean, that was nice of J.P. Finley to bring that back. But, you know, I mean, first of all, like, who... It's weird, isn't it? I mean, like, I see pimento cheese. Pimento cheese is fine. It's tasty. Like, who makes white bread sandwiches? I'll just say it's a southern thing. It's something you're just not going to get. Yeah. For me, I'd rather go tailgate and guzzle some beer at the Daytona International Speedway, where it's generally warm, but not always. I mean, it could be a little chilly in mid-February depending on, you know, whatever. So, anyway, that's Sunday afternoon. Also Sunday afternoon and Saturday night. So you have Saturday night at like 8 o'clock, Sunday afternoon, I believe, at 3, which, you know, going against the Daytona 500, not exactly the best timing, but, you know, you're trying to avoid the stupid NBA All-Star game, which sucks and which is going to be on Sunday night and which everybody is going to be about on social media, and I'm not even going to bother watching because I don't care at all one bit. I don't need any part of it. I might watch some of the festivities on Saturday night, maybe the slam dunk and the three-point, but even that is like, ah. You have the stadium series and the NHL. You have the Flyers and the Devils playing tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, ABC, at MetLife Stadium, where the Giants and Jets play. And then Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, two different teams, the Rangers and the Islanders, are playing in, you know, one of their great rivalry games out at MetLife Stadium for the NHL Stadium Series. So go check that out as well. Plenty of sports still on on this three-day weekend, even without football. All right, let's wrap it up with some calls here. Let's get to Eric and Sterling. First up, what up, Eric? How are you? Hey, Chris, my man. Hey, all the best to uh, your – is it your son? Yes, my son. Thank you, answer? Eric. I appreciate yeah, it. all the best to you, man. I, I appreciate you know, I, that. I, my youngest girl's special needs. So oh, okay. I, I, well, I feel you. Wow, well, I, 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 I didn't know that. And uh, So you can obviously yeah. relate. Is she doing okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she's fine. She's fine, thank you. But, How old you know, is she? You know, 
she's uh, 15, she's okay. 15, but, you know, over the last you know, decade, you know, you have health stuff that comes up and it's like, it's not easy. So I, I can, I feel you, man. You just, you know, you know it, it, sure it doesn't matter the well. disability or anything like that. You know, no, you no, know what yeah, goes into yeah. certain things, right? That, that oh, most normal people don't know. Exactly. You got it. You got it. Listen, I, I won't hold you up here, but uh, I, listen, I love Kirk Cousins. But I just want to say, I, I really think we should keep our focus on taking advantage of that first round, second pick. And uh, I don't, I, you know, tell me what you think, but I like Drake May. I really like what I've seen on that guy. And it just, he seems like he might be a very good fit. And uh, I think Cliff Kingsbury, I, I think he could do a great job. Of the three him. quarterbacks, of the three quarterbacks at the top of the draft, I probably like. And I haven't done the full study yet, but I probably like Drake May more than the other two uh, because yeah. I think his body will hold up a little bit more. I like that he's yeah, more exactly. of a pure passer. Exactly. I understand the need for off-platform and off-script throws, but I think Drake May has enough athleticism to make some of those throws, but I want a pure passer and an accurate, short pure passer. You know, everybody wants the hose. Everybody wants the deep vertical stuff. 90% of your throws in the NFL are 10 yards, maybe 12 yards from the line of scrimmage, right? Which, and you know who did that so well? Joe Theismann. Yeah. Joe yeah. Theismann. Do you remember Joe Theismann, how well he was at getting those 10, yeah. 5, 10 yards? Sure. And look what happened. We, yeah. got, we went down the field. We scored. Well, you know? I, mean, I, I mean, again, like right. I, I pointed out Patrick Mahomes before the Super Bowl, right? He used, oh, to, be, yeah. he used oh, yeah. to be known for obviously a deep vertical game with Tyreek Hill. They've completely adjusted their offense over the last two years. And the reason why they've been yeah. able to do that and featuring so many passes – Beating zone coverages, so many passes, zero to ten yards north of the line of scrimmage, is because he's accurate and because he's not trying to press every deep seam ball or deep corner route or deep vertical route uh, like so many other offenses do. They can get chunk yardage based on broken tackles or based on being consistent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just, I, you know what? Listen, another good thing about this would be. Just think about this. If they stick with number two, get Drake May, that just opens up all that much more uh, draft ability in the draft for them to take advantage of, you know, building up their offensive line, you know, maybe getting a good tight end, mm -hmm. wide receiver, building up their defensive side. And uh, I think it'd just be a big win-win for them if they went, you know, did that kind of, you know, way of going about it. I'm with you. you I know? appreciate I appreciate the phone call, yeah. Eric, and all my best to you and your daughter and your family. Oh, yeah. uh, if Likewise, I can ever do anything man. to help, please let me know, okay? Hey, thank you. Thank you, Chris. You all right, have care. a great Bless weekend. You, man. All right, bye -bye. thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, just so everybody knows, uh, again, Tyler's having a, a, a significant, any surgery is significant, a significant but not a life-altering, life-changing surgery. It's a hernia surgery, but he's got to, you know, of course, be knocked out, and there's a process. Like, I can't tell him. I can't tell him he's having surgery. They can't just put a mask on him and, and knock him out. They've got to trick him and, you know, like, do all sorts of different things. It's been a process that his mom and I have had, more her than me, have had to take on to 
Um, There's a level of subterfuge. Right. To set up because, like, even this morning, I I kept saying, I can't wait to see you, buddy, next Thursday. He doesn't know that at 5 o'clock in the morning on Friday, in all likelihood, we have to head to the hospital. He doesn't know that yet. You know? Not going to be happy. I mean, but it's what we have to do uh, to take care of him. All right, let's get Telly in here before the end of the show. Last up on a feel-good Friday. Tell, how are you, pal? Hell to the Redskins. I got a new name for you, man. Hollywood Chris Hustle. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I said, yeah, that fits you real good. Yo, know, I'm going to hit that on the spot. I like that. Well <laughs> done. Yeah. Well, but look, man, I, I, I got to go off the, the Kirk Cousins, man. The more we try to move forward, are you going to try to go back? If it ain't tired to win it, man, I don't want nothing in the past coming back here, man. I don't care about nothing about no 400-plus yards and 10, 20 touchdowns or what have you. If it ain't resulting in wins, playoff wins, Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl wins, I don't need you. And he was selfish. The man had three guaranteed contracts. Unheard of. Three guaranteed. And he still chose to leave because he was chasing the bag. But, but it's wrong with Chase chasing the bag, but it's not, it's not, it's all good. If Kirk was chasing the bag, no, nah, he can stay wherever he at, man. We moving forward, and we got a new regime in, a bunch of experienced coaches on here, and we're going to change the attitude, this whole dynamic in this whole city, man. Hell to the risk, kids, man. You be easy, bro. All right, thank you, Telly. I appreciate it. Uh, listen, Kirk Cousins has done very, very, very well for himself because he's smarter than Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. I mean, has Kirk Cousins made a lot of money, and could he be considered selfish? Yeah. He wanted a three-year, $60 million fully guaranteed contract here, which was about, just about market rate. Sam Bradford had made like a two-year, $18 million contract the year before. That's what he wanted. Three years, $60 million fully guaranteed. He got three years, like $86 million fully guaranteed from the Vikings after the two franchise tag years. I mean, you know, a couple of renewals since then. Uh, Kirk's made plenty of money. I, I can't say that some of his career and his plight hasn't been about money. Every one of us wants to secure the bag, right? I mean, every one of us. There are no guarantees in life. You never know. So, yeah. But what I would say is this. If you think Kirk Cousins is more about money than he is about being an uber professional and a super hardworking quarterback and a damn talented quarterback and a damn productive quarterback and... What you would hope for, if you are going to sink a lot of money in non-Patrick Mahomes division, I mean, like, okay, maybe you'd rather have Josh Allen. Certainly, right now, people are going gaga, and for good reason, over C.J. Stroud. But let's just see C.J. Stroud's career develop. When was the last 
huge game that Josh Allen has won. I mean, I I guess they 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 beat Pittsburgh slightly on that Monday afternoon by a close margin. I guess. Okay. Let let's stop hating on Kirk Cousins. All these years later, people still are sour that the commanders slash Redskins, the old guard, Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, completely and totally screwed up everything. Just like a passenger that brought something on a plane that should never be brought on a plane. And because of that, we'll celebrate this lovely passenger and tell you the weird, wild, wacky story next in Dum Dum of the Day. All right, it's time to wrap up the show. Rick Doc Walker in for Craig Hoffman. He'll take you up till 645 Georgetown basketball at that point, along with Anthony Haney. So make sure you stay tuned for the DOC. Before we get out of here for a three-day weekend, Matty Ice, what would you not expect? What would you not expect to see or find out was in an overhead compartment on a plane, on a domestic plane. Well, you're about to find out. It's time for Dum Dum of the Day. Do you have any guesses, Matt, what you would not expect to see in the overhead compartment of a Delta Airlines? Sure, it was a Delta Airlines flight. Domestic flight. uh, Actually, I'm sorry, not a domestic flight from Detroit to Amsterdam. What would you not expect to see? I would not expect to see a case of A&W Diet Root Beer. I know that's not the right answer. What about a two-liter bottle? A a two-liter bottle, probably not, because you can't get that through security. That's true. That's that's very fair point. All right, so here's what happened on Tuesday on a Delta Airlines flight, again, heading from Detroit to Amsterdam. The plane was forced to turn around an after hour a, a, an hour after departing why because apparently maggots were falling from an overhead bin after a passenger brought a rotting fish on their carry-on luggage well all over me then that's right. So apparently, according to passenger Philip Shoddy, who told WJPK-TV in Detroit that during the flight, he looked across the aisle and saw a lady freaking out as maggots fell on top of her. The woman, quote, was trying to kind of fight off these maggots. He said he didn't know what to do. He was trying to process it. Flight attendants tracked the bugs to an overhead compartment where they found a rotting fish wrapped in newspapers. Wait, what was that? This is real. (laughs) Yes. In one of the bags. So the airline confirmed the incident to NBC News. The bag had not been packed correctly. They apologized to all of the passengers on the flight. Uh, The trip was interrupted, of course, due to an improperly packed 
carry-on bag. I don't know how the bag was so rotten or the fish was so rotten and it got through security because, again, just because it's a carry-on, you still have to go through security. Again, the flight had to return back to Detroit and then ultimately the bag was placed into another bag and burned. And that's the end of the story. Rotting fish causing maggots to fall all over passengers on a flight out of Detroit. Yikes! Whoever you are that brought a rotting fish or any fish, please never, ever, ever be on my flight. I've got to fly to Chicago in a couple of weeks. I've got to fly to Florida in early June. Please, avoid my flight. Please. Maddie, have a good weekend. Thank you, as always. Great job. DOC and Anthony Haney up next. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks for all the nice words about Tyler. Uh, Enjoy. I'll be uh, doing some social media stuff throughout the week. Chris Russell, D.C. on Instagram. And as well, of course, WrestleMania 621. Enjoy the Daytona 500, the NHL Stadium Series, and your first weekend without football. Be safe in the snow. Lend your ear to the DOC. He's up next. Adios. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.